what's up guys uh jacob here a little solo no easy buckets podcast um tried to get a couple recorded this week had some technical difficulties and uh you know uh some uh, some guests had some some holiday plans so uh, of course, you know me doing nothing but following NBA free agency over the weekend, holiday weekend. So that was kind of my holiday. But uh, wanted to jump on here real quick and uh, recap a couple, a couple, uh, recap a few of the the crazy uh, free agent signings and trades that happened. Um, let's see, it was Friday night. I think it was twelve when it started happening. That was the beginning of free agency. So um, July first. So um, I'll go through a few of the deals here and see what. You know, kind of my take on it a little bit. Um, probably tomorrow, uh, maybe the fourth or the fifth. It'll probably come out on the fifth. But we're gonna have a uh, a Grizzlies based podcast talking about the draft more specifically, and uh, the uh, the signings that they made over the weekend. Hopefully, by then we have some more clearance on guys like uh, Tony Allen and Zach Randolph, and if whether or not somebody has offered uh, what they've offered to Jamichael Green and restricted free agency. So we'll have a update on that. Uh, a lot more of the local fans will appreciate that update. But for the meantime, we're going to go through the uh, the list of free agency signings, which I have had a decent list here. I think I went with the CBS.com list. They kind of have it all starting from the beginning. But um, I want to hit on the major ones here. Uh, I know there's a lot, of, a lot of little signings out there, but kind of want to just uh, – run through the big ones i might go through all of them i don't know we'll see how time uh lets us go here i don't want you to listen to me by myself too long you'll probably get uh, a little tired of that uh, not a lot of podcasts that i listen to are solo um, i'm sure there are some out there i think uh, uh malcolm gladwell has a good one revisionist history i know he's on bill simmons a lot but uh, i need to go listen to some solo pods because a lot of times i'm just bored and want to talk so <laughs> we'll see here but I want to kind of go back to recap Friday night. Uh, the first move that really kind of set everything in motion um, was uh, the, I think it was about two hours before the deadline hit. It was uh, Paul George being traded to the Thunder, which came out of nowhere. Uh, love that. Um, <laughs> nobody would have pegged the Thunder as the team trading for Paul George after the rumors were, you know, Cleveland, Boston, you know, even, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, L.A. was out there on that, too. Denver, I think, has been thrown in every rumor. But it was crazy because uh, Oklahoma City came out of nowhere. It actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can't really oh, – okay, officially the trade was Paul George uh, going from Indiana to Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City sending Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis back to Indiana. I did not leave anything out. That is all the trade was. So it's a little bit lopsided. Even though it's a one-year rental for Paul George, I really think that even if you knew for a fact he was going to leave after one year, that is not – that is still a steal for Oklahoma City. But nonetheless, evidently Indiana liked those players or just didn't want to trade him in conference. I don't know what happened there, but I'm not going to get too deep down that rabbit hole. Um, I think this makes the Thunder an immediate – contender I mean they were already a contender last year I mean they were six, six seed didn't really show much in the playoffs they were kind of a one-trick pony with Westbrook but with Paul George being in there who's an actually an actually really good off-screen shooter uh, you know, can work off the ball really well and is a top line defender I think you know automatically they 
have kind of an inside track on probably a top five seed. They've got a really good defensive team and some good role players. And when you have somebody like Westbrook who can take over a game and now um, Paul George who in himself can can really control a game, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. You know, with the, uh, they've got a really interesting roster now. They've made a few other little moves. They still have Cantor. We'll see if they try to bring him back and work him in or, you know, they try to trade him somewhere. I don't really know what his market would be. Uh, since he's so atrocious defensively. But we'll save that kind of for an offseason pod. Um, right after the Thunder made their move, uh, the, the biggest news was Cl- the Clippers re-signing Blake Griffin for a five-year max deal. It's going to be in the $175 million range. <sighs> after Chris Paul after Chris Paul left, or after he was traded to Houston, you know, my kind of thought was that you know Blake's really – there's a really good chance that he stays. I think he was going to leave if they would have signed Chris. Uh, I think he wants the team to be kind of more built around him. I think he wants to be the main playmaker. Uh, I'm not going to get into the troubles that he and Chris Paul had, but, but, I mean, those are documented. I mean, it's just two competitors playing, and, you know, Chris Paul can be a hard guy to play with because he's so so competitive. So, um, But, Blake, I do, like the, I do like him staying there. You know, he gets to stay in L.A. I think it's really good for him. You know, I wasn't a, as big of a Griffin fan early on in his career, you know, with the rivalry with the Grizzlies in the playoffs and whatnot. But I've gotten really to to know his off-the-court kind of stuff better. He's a stand-up comedian. He does some podcasting. He's a, he's a really talented guy, really interesting guy. So, um, you know, wish him well. I think he's going to be great for him. He's going to be used as a playmaker even more. Pretty solid roster there. Um you know, with Pat Beverly ever to be probably moving into the starting point guard role. Um, right before we started this pod, the uh, the word was that Danilo Gallinari from the Nuggets is looking to sign with the Clippers as well, which makes them a pretty interesting playoff team um, with Beverly, you know, maybe Austin Rivers or somebody, and, uh, you know, Gallinari, Griffin, and uh, Jordan. So interesting to see there. Uh, they still don't have much of a bench. His, uh, Doc Rivers has been been known to have uh, been known to kind of lack in his bench depth. Uh, that's part of the coach GM GM thing there. But now with Jerry West kind of running the basketball ops, uh, it's it's very interesting to see what they're going to do there. They've been uh, you know involved in some interesting deals. So looks like they're going to do a sign and trade with Denver, who's also going to sign and trade for Paul Millsap. So it's going to be a three team deal. Uh, Atlanta, who has lost out on Millsap and a couple other, you know, any other thing they were looking. They don't know if they're going to, you know, bring back Tim Hardaway Jr. or not, but uh, they're going to get, you know, it looks like a one or two first-round picks and some uh, Jamal Crawford of note, who they'll probably buy out or flip. Um, but a decent haul there for, you know, if a team that, you know, if their star is leaving for nothing and you're able to somehow salvage a sign and trade, that's a win every single time in my book. You know, whether you're giving up Chris Paul for a bunch of, you know, Pat Beverly, some nobodies, and a first-round pick, I still think it's a good deal. It's better than nothing. So so that's good for Atlanta there. Uh, we'll see. I think I, I like Gallo. He's, he's talented. He's interesting at the three. Um, not very good defensively, but I think with that lineup, I think it kind of uh, allows him to, you know, play to his strengths more. Uh, you, have an, uh, you, know, you have Jordan and Beverly on the court who are both uh, great defenders, first-team, all-defense-type defenders. So we'll see what happens there. 
Um, major deals have kind of going chronological. I mean, the Spurs are signed, signed Patty Mills for four years, fifty million, which is a lot of money. But you know, for what he does for that team, you know, he almost plays starter minutes sometimes. Uh, he provides a completely different game than uh, Tony Parker. The the Spurs wanted to keep him. He works perfectly in their system. You know, he's still relatively young in his mid twenties, mid to late twenties. Uh, he's a great player. You know, he's you know he he can step in and start. You know, I know Tony. Parker got hurt at the end of the season. They're grooming Murray to be the starter there, but he's going to be able to step in and start or be a, you know, 20 to 25 minute a game player for the next four years in there. This is a decent value. 50 million seems a lot, but I mean, when you think about what quality point guards are going for in the market, it's a pretty good deal that, uh, you know, to keep your guy is, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's worth it in a lot of ways. And the Spurs are smart enough with the, their cap situation and their in their roster that, you know, they're not. This is something that's not going to strap them. You know, any any one deal is not going to keep them from uh, doing what they need to do. Uh, they they've got a good group they're managing, and they're not going to uh, let anything hinder them. So, I like the deal there with Patty Mills. Um, kind of next in the pecking order was Tony Snell, uh, re-signing with Milwaukee. Um, I mean, I like Tony Snell in a. In a vacuum, you know, he's a 3 and D type player. He's increased his three-point percentage over the past year. He's a long defender. They gave him four for 46. Almost $12 million a year for Tony Snell. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what Milwaukee's doing there. You know, they're under new management now since their GM left, uh, I believe, for Orlando. Um, I believe that's right. Um I don't really know if that's too much money or not. I mean, that's that's decent for a, a wing uh, defender who can hit shots. But I don't really know if it, they're, where it is they're going to be in the tax because of this and some other moves. I don't really know if at this point in time you want to pay the tax for uh, a team like the Bucks. Uh, they still have some moves to make before they're a finals caliber team. You know, they showed some stuff last year, but they still lost in the first round. And even though the East has lost a lot of talent, uh, over the past few days with free agency and trading. Um, I don't. I still don't see the Bucks as more than a four or a five seed. Uh, so that means, you know, they're going to be at the most, you know, one round. The first round will be the only round they have home court. And I think that's realistically what they are. They're a first-round playoff team. I don't think, as currently constructed, they're uh, set up to beat a Cleveland or Toronto or uh, a Boston in a second-round series, maybe not even a Washington. So uh, I know they almost beat Toronto last year, but I think that was you know just Toronto's always shaky first-round series. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, can't really say it's a it's a hit or miss. You know, it's probably kind of an average B B plus move type deal. It's good to keep him there. Uh, we'll see what happens with the rest of their cap, seeing if they can trade or move anybody. Uh, right after that, the Wolves signed Jeff Teague. They traded Ricky Rubio to Utah right at the deadline or the beginning of uh, free agency for a first-round pick. I like that deal. Uh, I don't really think Jeff Teague's much better than Ricky Rubio. I know he's a better shooter, and I guess that's what they were looking for, somebody that can shoot off the ball, um, which I was listening to the uh, CBS Sports, I think it was Eye on Basketball podcast with Matt Moore and James uh, Herbert today. And uh, he was talking about – Matt was talking about the – off ball shooting off the 
catch and shoot numbers from Jeff Teague. He's actually a very good catch and shoot point guard. So um, maybe that's what they need there with ball dominant wings. Um, but the money they gave him was more was more per year than Ricky Rubio. Um, Rubio's not a not a bad player. I think he's going to do well in Utah. He probably has another good contract in him in the next couple years. So we'll see what happens there. Teague. Uh, Nothing to write home about, but he, you, you never know. I mean, he was—he's been an all-star before, I believe, with Atlanta. If not, you know, almost all-star caliber. So, we'll see if he's able to uh, hold on to uh, that starting position over the course of the season, or if Thibodeau uh, <laughs> grows tired of him and ends up starting somebody like Tyus Jones. You know, I, I could really see Thibodeau doing something like that. But, uh, but anyway, uh, moving on from that, uh, Drew Holiday came back to. The Pelicans on a five-year, one twenty-six million dollar deal. Uh, that's his max, uh, his max salary, I believe. Um, uh, that's an interesting signing. I, I do like Drew Holiday. He's been healthy over the past year, or so had struggled with injuries. He's a, uh, he's a. I mean, for, for to me, uh, that type of player, you're not going to find anybody better than him on the market. You know, the next best point guard that was a free agent, beside, you know, was probably Kyle Lowry, Kyle, excuse me, Kyle Lowry and George Hill. Um, Lowry would have been more money. Um, and he's, you know, he's a lot old, he's older than Drew Holiday, not as good defensively. Uh, and then uh, George Hill, you know, is also a little older and uh, don't really think he provides anything more than Drew Holiday. I think Holiday has more potential to grow in that and uh, as, as he stays more and more healthy. So I like the signing. I mean, you're not going to get anybody better. Uh, he's good to with those two big guys. You need to have that point guard position down, and he's also a very, uh, very good defender, a uh, very elite defender, can guard uh, both guard positions. So I think it's a pretty good signing there. Um, another point guard that had played a little bit with New Orleans last year was Langston Galloway, who, um, as a homer, really kind of wished that he could have ended up in Houston, I mean, in Memphis. Uh, I thought he would have been a perfect player off the bench for them can guard both guard positions as well. He's an off-ball shooter, but can handle the ball. He's more so, in my opinion, a two-guard than a point guard, but he has been playing point guard most of his career, so he uh, he obviously can can do the ball, you know, handle the ball. Um, it was a three-year, $21 million deal. Uh, as far as what it means for Detroit, and they've kind of got a little cluster of young point guards there. I'm not a Reggie Jackson fan. I don't really know what that means for for their team as far as you know outlook goes. We'll, you know we'll break down that more in an off season pod, but it just kind of seems like Denver's throwing darts at a board. They're not really you know they're like oh we like Langston Galloway let's get him in here. I don't really know what their plan is. They seem to want to move off of Andre Drummond the year after they maxed him out, and then they also have had won't try to trade Reggie Jackson a year after they signed him to a big extension. So I don't really know. What the plan is there? I mean, are you giving up on those two guys that you maxed out literally one year ago today? I mean, I don't really know if that's a, a sign of coaching or front office management that you're giving up that easy. Um, I don't think you're going to get much back in return for those players. Uh, they are talented. There are there, They are NBA players and starters for sure. Um, probably right below all-star caliber talent. Um of course, next year in the East, you never know. Uh, but I don't really know what the direction for them is. Uh, I'd like to get into their their roster a little bit more, 
they are an interesting team that you don't hear about much because just because they kind of over the past couple of years Detroit really hasn't uh, you know provided you with much to watch. But they are an interesting team. I really like a lot of the players they have there. They have some young wing talent and uh, Caldwell Pope who hasn't actually signed anywhere yet. The word was that Detroit was going to max wherever he goes. I don't know. Like they're going to be in the tax if they match it. But he may not get a max deal because no one has really bid on him. I don't know if those teams like Brooklyn and Philly and uh, Atlanta are going to actually offer him a max sheet or not. Maybe they just don't really want to end up getting stuck with him if Detroit just decided to let him walk. So I think he's going to end up probably coming back to Detroit. I'm going to say probably a three-year, um, probably three-year, sixty-five million, something like that. You know, make you a little over twenty million, or he may even go down into the three fifty. You know, something like a Joe Ingles or a, a Patty Mills, maybe like three fifty-five. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but uh, but I like uh, I like Caldwell Pope. He's a solid player, three and D guy. Little, offers a little bit more than just a rotation player. I think he's a, definitely a really good starter, a um, little bit below all-star level, but he's a really good starter for that team. And I think if he's important to have there, especially if you were to trade either Drummond or Reggie Jackson, preferably Jackson in my opinion, that uh, Caldwell Pope would be a good player to have alongside a new player that came in to make a playoff run to try to be a title contender. I think he's a very good player um, uh, to kind of fit. He can kind of fit with most anyone. Can guard both guard positions, probably the three as well. And uh, you know, is a, is a good is a good shooter as well. So we'll see what happens. Um, David West resigned with the. He resigned with the the Warriors on a minimum deal. He's trying to. I think he's wanting to play one more year and retire. He joined uh, Andre Iguodala in resigning as well as Kevin Durant. Who took less money actually to make to allow for uh, Andre Iguodala to go three for forty five million? I think it was allowing him about sixteen million per season. Durant's taken twenty six, which is almost which is nine million dollars less than he could have taken, which is crazy. Uh, a lot of people are criticizing the Warriors for it and saying they're unfairly building this team. If you have a player that's in his prime that's willing to take almost $10 million or less than he can get on the open market to to stay with a core group of guys and put the, together the best team they can, I mean, you can't fault anybody for that. I mean, he that's completely Kevin Durant. He wants to do that. He's enjoying playing basketball. He's a, you know, he's a very emotional guy. As you've seen over the past few weeks, he's gotten more vocal on social media. He's got a lot of things going on outside of basketball. So it's cool to see a guy really enjoy his time. And, you know, it's something that LeBron has done in the past, taking less money a little bit here and there, signing short-term deals. Uh, You know, Durant is really becoming his own kind of, his own kind of star, embodying his own kind of, I guess, fame and and dictating what's going to happen. He's dictating so many moves on the best team maybe in history of basketball. And, you know, it's, it's really that position to, to be in that position of power is uh, probably worth the, the slight pay, uh, the slight loss of pay, you know, to be in that position to where so many people are looking to you to, to be kind of a leader like that. Even though Steph Curry signed his max uh, $201 million deal, uh, 
uh, right before Iguodala signed, you know, you really are looked at as the best player on that team. Even though Steph kind of is the heartbeat of the city, you're looked at as the the guy who brought them the championship, the second championship. So uh, it's good to see. I'm glad the Durant's having a having a good time, even though. <laughs> I'd like to see the, the Warriors get beat uh, just for competitive purposes. Uh, I do respect how they've done it. I don't think that anything is unfair. So let's see here. Um, just some other, I like the J.J. Redick in, in the Philadelphia signing. Uh, he's, you know, he's, a, he's still an elite shooter, definitely a starter caliber player at the two-guard position. I think he fits in very, very well with uh, Philly. He went with a one-year, $23 million deal. He was looking for something long-term, but I don't think he got the money that he was wanting. Uh, and so he's looked at the Philly roster, saw that they're probably a playoff team this year, especially if he goes there, a chance to play and play starter minutes, uh, make a lot of money. $23 million is you know, more than people were going to pay him per year on a three- to four-year deal. Um, so he gets to go back and probably sign a two- to three-year deal next summer, get his longevity. Uh, maybe it even is with the Sixers that have a successful team. But really get uh, the money he was looking for, kind of mix up. I think he was like making less than $6 million a year last the past few years, so this season will make up for a lot of that lost time. And he'll also get to play on a really good team uh, with a lot of young guys, be a, a leader fi- leadership figure there get back on the East Coast, which I think is where he's from. I know he played at Duke, obviously. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see there. He fits alongside their offense as a spot-up shooter. Uh, ben, ben Simmons is going to be uh, handling the ball a lot there, as well as Markel Fultz. So having somebody that can sit on the perimeter and just you know definitely hit open shots, which I think he'll have, especially with Embiid. You know, it's going to be that's – a, that's a really fun starting lineup with, uh, you know, from the top, uh, Markel Fultz, J.J., J.J. Redick, uh, Robert Covington, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. It's going to be a really, really fun lineup to watch. So good good signing there. Really liked that one. Uh, as far as anything else that moved the needle, Joe Ingles went back to Utah for four years, $52 million, which really surprised a lot of people. But that's probably for the average fan that didn't really watch Joe Ingles. Uh, he, he was really an amazing player for the Jazz this season. I don't know if he started the season in the starting lineup, but he ended it that way and went through the playoffs that way. He's, you know, a plus defender, one of the best three-point shooters in the league, uh, most efficient shooters, can handle the ball, uh, really is a guy who's going to play. Like All of a sudden you look up at the end of the game and he's been out there for 38, 40 minutes. And you're like, wow, I didn't even realize that. He's got eight points, seven rebounds, and, and ten assists or something like that. It's... He's really a jack of all trades, and he's and he, but he's a on the contract of a a role player. So, which I mean, you know, ten million a year, you know, or probably what twelve, thirteen million a year or so is nothing to laugh at. But when you think about some of the contracts that were handed out last year to players like Solomon Hill, and uh, you know, as much as I hate to say it, Chandler Parsons, uh, players like that, you know. He's an Evan Turner as well. He's a very efficient player, very high output. So that's a really good signing for the Jazz. And I think that's going to let, you know, he, as of now, <laughs> Gordon Hayward hasn't decided if he's going back or not. It's between Boston, Miami, and uh, Utah, as we know right now. Uh, but I think I think he's going to end up back in Utah. I think Hayward will end up back there. And, uh, you know, with re-signing 
Ingles and bringing in Rubio adds a little bit to that team. I think they have a trade in them too. I think they're going to end up moving away from Hayward, uh, excuse me, moving away from Favors and getting some more talent there. So we'll see. Donovan Mitchell had a really good summer league debut, to, uh, debut tonight. Uh, it's going to be a good shooter for them, probably in the two yard spot. So we'll see. But a good signing. I like Ingles. Uh, the Raptors brought back Lowry. He ended up not getting the five-year max that everybody thought he was going to get. Uh, kind of a, a little bit of a surprise there. But the point guard market really drove up fast with Utah getting uh, – Utah trading for Rubio and then uh, Teague going straight to the Wolves um, on a deal probably cheaper than any of the top flight guys. So that's why they went there. Um, goes three-year, $100 million, similar to the contract LeBron James signed last year. Uh, it's really good for the Raptors because now they have uh, – and they also brought back Serge Ibaka on a sim- like a three-year 64, I believe. Uh, it's really good for the Raptors as far as uh, their rebuild, their their future. Uh, you're going to have Lowry, Ibaka, and DeRozan all coming off the books. I think DeRozan's last year of his contract is an option. I'm not sure if uh, it's a team or player, but – um, they'll be able to. They could get rid of that if they needed to, but maybe a contender. So let's say if at the, you know they'll have those three guys coming off the books in the same season, they can immediately start another rebuild. Uh, Masai Ujiri is uh, is a wizard up there in in Toronto, so he'll acquire some more picks. You know they even had two picks in the draft this year, first round this year, uh, which they were able to trade at the deadline for Ibaka, who it didn't really. I guess you could say it didn't work out. They guess what by Cleveland. Uh, it's tough to say whether that was success or not. I mean, you didn't really have them pegged to do much better. Uh, but they're in that position to make that type of trade, that type of contender trade like Cleveland did for Kyle Korver trading a first-round pick. They're in that position because their front office is really good, and they had that extra first-round pick, and they'll have another one. You know, they'll, they'll trade a player like a Norman Powell or a Corey Joseph and end up getting a late first-round pick which people bat their eye at and like, oh, you have a first-round pick from one of the top four seeds in the West. Like, oh, you have a San Antonio first-round pick. Well, you say that until it becomes the just enough to sweeten a deal to get somebody that you want. Or you end up finding that late-round role player that was a four-year starter in college that you nobody wants to pick in the top 20 because they're paranoid about his age. Well, that's a good position to be in, especially in a draft like this past year. You had a lot of uh, really good college talent there in late first, early second. So, uh, like the like the deal for the Raptors, they'll be in the in the slightly weaker East next year. They'll be a top four seed, probably be right there in the two to three range with Boston and Cleveland. So, it's good for them. They'll make money. People will show up to the game. Uh, Lowry's a fun player. So we'll see. Um, anything else notable? We talked about uh, Ibaka signing. Um, Vince Carter was a guy that, you know, I didn't know if the Kings, the, the Grizz were going to bring back. Uh, the Grizz ended up signing Ben McLemore to uh, about the, I think the mid-level exception. It was two years, $11 million or so. Um, so that probably means the end for Vince Carter because I doubt they're able to bring Tony Allen and Vince back on that. Um Paul Millsap. Oh, yeah, he, we talked talk a little bit about that. He's going to the Nuggets on a three-year deal, which is a great deal for the Nuggets. It's going to be three years, $90 million. Um, the third year is going to be a team option. So that's incredibly if – if it's the opposite, if it's a player option, it almost completely goes backwards in trade value. 
but let's say this doesn't work or in the next after one or two years this doesn't work you know you that is a valuable trade chip Paul Millsap who will still be in his early 30s you know 32 33 with a team option a team would do that a team would trade that for that to be able to bring him back on their own terms in that third year so uh, it'll really give them a chance to try everything out in year one so I like that for uh, I like that for uh, the, the Nuggets who have a really interesting uh, team there they have a mix of good young talent and uh, they've look they've also been rumored to go going after George Hill um, is it is to, to package with that um, I don't know if they're going after it too early I, I think I would try to go with a you know a point guard like they used in this past year and Jameer Nelson or really get Emmanuel Moutier back into the into the fold uh, working with him in the offseason and really keep that team together because I do like a lot of the players they have there Jamal Murray uh, you know Nikola Jokic who's obviously probably you know might be an all-star this year if it wasn't for the uh, loaded west so interesting team there the the, the play the west next year one through <laughs> one through eight is going to be crazy it's going to be like uh you know but one of the hardest tickets in sports to get in the playoffs there so we'll see it's going to be a fun ride um other than that there's not a lot of other stuff that moves the needle pacers are they signed darren collison to a a two-year i think it was like 20 million dollar deal 22 million dollar deal not much there the pacers probably won't be in the playoffs they're looking at buying out uh, Monte Ellis, who has been rumored as a, a a Grizz target for the mid for the the, the minimum, man, I I don't think I'd rather have. I think I'd, there's a lot of other players that would rather have than Monte Ellis, even though he's a Mississippi guy. I don't really think he fits with our team. I mean, maybe a bench score. Maybe he's like the the bench. He's the uh, the guard version of Zebo last year. If he can come in and play that, then I'm, I guess I'm interested. But I don't know. I'd have to be convinced there <laughs> I'd have to see some good uh, arguments there for him but um, like I said we're going to go into a little bit deeper on the uh, the Grizz uh, kind of offseason moves so far and then maybe go into a couple we'll pick a couple teams that, out of the west like the Thunder Clippers and stuff and there'll be some more breaking news tomorrow and hopefully the Hayward signing but we'll probably go over that with Blake um, uh, tomorrow will probably come out on Thursday or Friday so thanks guys for listening. I appreciate you tuning in for the solo show uh, of the no easy of no easy buckets. Uh, I don't know if y'all like it or not. Interested to have your feedback? Leave a five star review. If it's not five stars, don't leave it. <laughs> and also uh, make sure to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes. We're also on SoundCloud. And uh, as I become better at this media thing, I will try to make sure it's on more websites like Spotify and uh, things like that. So uh, appreciate it. Uh, like I said, let us know what you think on social media and on the iTunes store. Uh, but uh, anyway, till next time, uh, this is Jacob, the No Easy Buckets Podcast. Peace. <laughs> Talking. Damn. I like-
Better when 